Coming up on today's show, more bad news for Canadians being held prisoner in China for what appears to be political reason. Albertans are now allowed to bet on single sporting events. And have you noticed the wasps or the yellow jackets this year? Out of control. Why? And how can you protect yourself? We'll find out from the bug guy. So let's get a little deeper into this situation regarding, well, there's now three that are making news this week. You've got Robert Schellenberg, Michael Spavor, and Michael Kovrig, all of them uh, being discussed. Uh, Spavor's uh, due back in court sometime this week, we believe. Schellenberg was in court yesterday. Let's get the details on how we got to this point, though. We have Rachel Gilmore joining us now, who is a national online journalist with Global News. Rachel, thank you for joining us. I appreciate your time. Hey, of course, anytime. So, just so I have this right, uh, Schellenberg, arrested in 2014, was given a 15-year sentence. How did it come to suddenly be elevated to a death sentence? And we know it all happened right around the time Meng Wanzhou was arrested, right? Yeah, it happened um, basically immediately after uh, Meng Wanzhou was arrested in, I believe it was December of uh, 2016. Is it 2019 now? Oh, my God. So long ago. <laughs> I, think, I think she was arrested and, in very late 2018. You're right. 2018. Thank you. Yeah. And then uh, in January, so just a, just about a month later, um, Schellenberg uh, had a hastily um, rescheduled sort of, he had a little retrial that they just threw together. Yeah. And they... Um, gave him the death sentence there. So it was just, it was very suspicious timing on that part. It really seemed retaliatory. Um, and it, it was just sort of, um, it seems kind of unnecessarily cruel when someone had already, you know, kind of grappled with a sentence to now be facing death. And uh, not just that, but now have that upheld. It's uh, it's pretty much a worst case scenario for him and his loved ones. Now, obviously, we're not going to get the details. I mean, Chinese courts are Chinese courts. We know what that's about. But was there ever a reason given for why the sentence was changed and why it was upheld yesterday? Or is we, we don't get access to that kind of information, do we? No, the, the, the Chinese courts are extremely opaque. They also have a 99.99% conviction rate. So, you know, once you kind of enter that system, it's a black hole of, for information and you're, you're not really looking at very good odds. So we don't know much about it. China has denied that there's any link between this and the Meng Wanzhou case, but, you know, they're, they're also, you know, denying that in the context of favor and cobrig. So, so we know how much weight that assurance holds. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Can't put a lot of faith in what's going to happen in terms of any legal proceedings. Now, we know that uh, it's Spavor tomorrow, right? Or maybe tomorrow. We're we're not 100% sure. Again, as we said, Chinese courts being what they are. But also, he's now going to be before the courts again, we understand. Yes, and he is going to find out whether he has been found guilty or innocent. And, you know, the, the espionage charge does, as I understand it, carry a maximum sentence of, once again, death. Right. So, you know, he's looking at he could face life in prison. It's a very serious charge. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are very worried about the lives of these two men uh, who were, you know, arbitrarily detained. And... Um, 
you know, may end up killed. It's it's not a, a very pleasant uh, legal system. And once you're kind of wrapped up in it, your your odds, as I mentioned before, really aren't good. So we're, we're going to find out, you know, what position he's in, uh, what sentence he may have. But one thing that's a bit interesting is all of this is happening right as uh, Meng Wanzhou's case is also sort of coming to a head. You know, her lawyers are pushing, um, they were kind of making a final push against her extra tradition request uh, from the states. So, um, you know, that's kind of coming to a fever pitch, and now so are the fates of these Canadians. So, um, you know, Dominic Barton, the ambassador to mm-hmm. China, Canada's ambassador to China, linked that last night and said, you know, it's not really a coincidence that these are happening at the same time. So, you know, I think China's kind of signaling that perhaps were Meng Wanzhou's case to go in a positive direction and they see the outcome they want, that might be good for the fates of the Canadians. But, you know, that's not how our justice system works. You know, we have the rule of law. So it gets pretty dicey. Yeah, and, you know, like you say, I mean... this is the biggest coincidence in the history of coincidences if all these things just happened, you know, not being connected. I think we all understand what's going on here and, and the influence that China is exerting. Uh, you talked about the ambassador to China. I know he's trying to get into court. He has been in court and has had some consular access. What about the rest of the government? Is there nothing that can be done here? Is there any sort of pushback or comment, at least from, from the government, as to what they can do in this kind of a situation? Yeah, I mean, so there's a lot of debate over that. <laughs> um, basically, the the government's hands are tied when it comes to the Meng Wanzhou case, and that's where the um, Chinese government really wants to see pressure to be put on. They want our government to interfere with the um, judicial process, which really is contrary to all of our principles in a democratic society. Um, it, but, you know, Canada can really pressure allies, you know, get the international community on board, which they, they have actually done a pretty good job of. You're seeing lots of other ambassadors from other countries showing up um, outside the Chinese courts in support of, um, you know, Schellenberg, Kovrig's favor. So you, they can kind of go that diplomatic route, but unfortunately, China doesn't really seem to be responding to that pressure. Um, and, you know, obviously having the U.S. kind of on side and a little bit more friendly and helpful Possibly. Yeah, uh, this time around. Um, yeah, you, you have to hope. I mean, obviously, Donald Trump was sort of politicizing the Meng Wanzhou case, which really wasn't helpful as it fueled China's um, sort of argument that Canada can do something about that case. Um, but, you know, you, you kind of have to hope that the U.S. can step in and also bring out the big guns and really put that pressure on. But I don't think anyone really knows what's going to happen. Um, you really just kind of have to cross your fingers and, and hope things work out for these these poor men. Yeah, and on the um, on the Kovrig file, we don't know. He's just sort of in that Chinese legal limbo, and we'll have to wait and see. We don't know uh, anything in terms of a hearing for him or anything like that. No, I, although I will say that um, frequently in the past, as we've seen, uh, when there's a development in this Favor case, there's there's generally one uh, in the Kovrig case not too long afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, they do also have similar charges against them, so it, it's very possible that we could see sort of similar uh, developments in a similar sentence, uh, you know, over the next uh, the next short period of time. But you know, we we haven't really heard anything firm, so it's it's all a bit up in the air and you really have to feel for their families right now because, you know, they've been separated for, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of days, you know, over well over 
you know, I think it's over two years. And it, it's just devastating, you know, just knowing that they're locked up in these cells. They favor, or uh, Kovrig has apparently learned how to do planks for, I believe it's something like 18 minutes because he's just sort of pacing around trying to keep fit in this tiny cell block. And it's just, it sounds torturous. And you really have to think of the families right now. It's, it's a tough time. It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. Rachel, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. Of course, anytime. That is Rachel Gilmore, who is the national online journalist for Global News. And yeah, I mean, we're talking about a situation here where you have um, politicians and governments using human beings as um, political pawns with their lives in the balance. Now, uh, she mentioned... um, the defense from Meng Wanzhou that was brought up yesterday. And as she said, it centers on comments that Donald Trump made at the time of the arrest. They're saying that um, clearly it was politically motivated. And the quote from Trump, um, this was within two weeks of her being arrested. Uh, Trump said, if I think it's good for what will certainly be the largest trade deal ever made, which is a very important thing, what's good for national security, I would certainly intervene if I thought it was necessary. So their defense is, she was arrested for political purposes uh, so Trump could use it as pressure to try and influence the trade deal that he was working on with China. China immediately responded by arresting two Canadians. As you know, Michael Spavor and Michael Kovrig, they've been in jail ever since. They immediately went and changed a 15-year sentence on the drug smuggling charges for Robert Schellenberg to a death sentence. So you've got um, these Canadians now wrapped up in this dispute between China and the United States and their very lives are at risk. So we'll have to continue to monitor what goes on in Vancouver with Meng Wanzhou's case. And, you know, part of me says, you know, you, you just you get a hold of Biden and say, hey, listen, if you want to deal with this, help us out. And if you don't, we're sending her back and getting our people back. This is ridiculous. You know, we've got Canadian lives at risk. But then the understanding, of course, is, okay, then anytime Canada arrests anybody from anywhere around the world from one of these countries that doesn't follow the rule of law, the immediate response is to go and pick up a Canadian and hold them. Um, so you have to stick to the lines and say, okay, you you know, just going out and scooping a Canadian up off the street and charging them with whatever you want to charge them with doesn't mean that we're going to let the person that we've arrested go. So it's a sticky situation. I understand that. But we don't seem to have any sort of recourse. Australia is taking a beating from China right now. They've put in all kinds of sanctions. They're standing strong. They're no bigger than Canada, much smaller than Canada, but they're standing in and taking the punches. We need to have the international community come together as one and rally against this. We've talked about China so many times on this show, the influence they exert over um, education systems, over politicians, over businesses, legally like this, social media, on and on the list goes. And we continue to let it happen. And what's going on now There's no other way to describe it. It's a complete and utter fiasco. It has nothing to do with law. It's people's lives being used as political pawns in a game to try and get Wang Zhou out of jail. It's staggering, and Canadian lives are at risk. It's a horrible situation. We'll keep you up to speed. Of course, as we said, Meng Wangzhou's court proceedings continuing in Vancouver on her extradition hearing to the United States. We'll see how that goes, and we'll update you if we hear anything about Michael Spavor. That's the next case, quote-unquote, in This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? 
Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Chinese Court. Bringing up to speed on a bit of a change that's going on in our country. We've talked about it before, but what's it going to mean for Alberta? Single event betting is now legal in our country for the first time. So that means you can go and place a bet on one game if you want. You know how it's been before. You have to combo a bunch of different games and things like that. Now you can go in and place one bet on one game. It's been legal for a few weeks now. The interest is high. Big time. Billions are spent on gambling on sports in Canada. Billions. And up until now, most of it's been done, you know, through online betting sites that are run offshore, things like that. The only option for single event betting in Canada. So what will this mean, this change? Let's find out. We are going to chat with Dan Keene, who is the Senior Director of Gaming for the AGLC. Dan, thank you for your time this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you, Shay. Nice to be with you. So, yeah, this is a pretty big change. Let's just go through the details here. What what can you bet on now that you couldn't before? Is it just it's basically one game at a time, right? Shay, you said it exactly right. Bill C two eighteen will allow the provision for Albertans and Canadians to bet on a single event, and the way you explain it is exactly correct. Previously, you would have had to do what's referred to as parlays. You would have had to put more than one wager together, but now. Uh, with the approval of Bill C-218, Albertans are going to be able to bet on a single outcome. Big change. Obviously makes it much easier in a way, I think. Trying to put together three, four games, uh, it's pretty tough to do. Um, So just how big of an industry is this in Canada and Alberta? It's billions and billions of dollars, right? It is, Shay. Like an estimate from uh, 2020 uh, that was done um, basically had the market at $14.5 billion wagered in Canada. And if you extrapolate that from our research, it looks like there's about just under $2 billion in Alberta, $1.85 billion wagered on sports in Alberta. But what's interesting to, to note about that, Shay, that's what's wagered approximately. Right. That's not what's available in terms of uh, sales opportunity. Of course, there, there has to be a, a hold percentage applied to that. But there is undoubtedly a very big market when it comes to sports wagering, not only in Alberta, but in Canada. And up until now, most of that money was spent online, right? Through online betting sites, typically. The vast majority of that $1.85 billion, we estimate... billion of that was spent on the uh, illegal or the illicit gray market. Uh, So so the vast majority is going to those uh, third-party sites. And when we talk about how important gambling is, I mean, not just to the better, but to, you know, communities and things like that, a lot of the money that's bet, you know, through the traditional ways that we have now and, you know, casinos and things like that, a lot of that goes back to community groups, right? So we're seeing a lot of money that could be kept in Canada and go to the greater good of the community being shipped offshore up until this change. It's a huge responsibility on behalf of the AGLC to, to repatriate these funds, Shay. Um, you know, this illicit market, as we said, is taking the vast majority of these funds. And we proudly introduced uh, PlayAlberta.ca, which is our online and the only regulated online gambling site to, uh, for Albertans. And money that's played in Alberta stays in Alberta, Shay. So that's a huge mandate, yeah. in addition to doing it in a safe and responsible manner, of course. Yeah, no doubt. We'll talk about that in a minute. First of all, though, what do you expect to see? I mean, under this new legislation, can casinos set up sports books like you see when you go to a casino in Vegas? I mean, what, um, what do you expect to see in terms of how this new reality will be played out in Alberta? So we're still exploring our options, and we'll continue to work with all operators as you know we meet the needs of Alberta Shea, but you're absolutely right. Uh, the first two things that we plan to do 
um, are introduce uh, sports wagering to the Play Alberta site, as I mentioned, and we're excited to be able to bring that uh, later on in 2021. And in addition, yes, we are working with our casino operator groups. Listen, we've we've got some world class and some of the best casino operators in all of Canada and the world. So we're going to work with those great casinos we have in Alberta to look to introduce a sports book extensions. And, and some of them undoubtedly will be a Vegas style sports book uh, opportunity and entertainment provided by our casino operators in Alberta. And we're going to look to do that late in 2022. So a very exciting okay. time, Shay. So right now, I mean, all these things are in the process. So right now the change just happened. Um, is it the website? It, it's, it's still in the works or can people place single event betting in Alberta right now? So it's it's in the works, Shay. You're okay. right, and okay. and we're obviously working furiously to get that stood up. We know we've got NHL and NFL on the horizon. Uh, we want to make sure, obviously, we have all the right compliance and social responsibility measures in place. But we are looking forward to doing that later in 2021, um, as soon as we can do it responsibly. So so we suspect uh, sometime this fall you'll see it on the Play Alberta site. That's our plan. And then, like I say, we're already and we have been working with industry. Oh, really over the last year, the casino industry to stand up and work towards sportsbook extensions in the land-based casinos uh, in 2022. Um, you mentioned it earlier, and I think it's something that we have to talk about. Um, an increase in access to gambling comes with a risk. We all know gambling can be extremely destructive to some people. It's uh, we, we, we know the background of it. So how do you... And I know EJLC has had all kinds of different campaigns, you know, within casinos and things like that to try and reduce that risk. What's the plan as this new reality emerges? And it's obviously it's a huge mandate and it's a huge importance to the AGLC and, and our stakeholders to do it in a responsible uh, fashion. And you're absolutely right, Shay. And one of the reasons that we're proud to partner with our casino operators is we've got established game sense information centers in these casinos with very experienced staff, fully engaged from our casino operators that can help educate and support those at risk, Shay. You know, and, and in addition to that, with our online site, Play Alberta, we have some very comprehensive responsible gaming tools, including loss limits, a cool-off feature where you can take a break, of course, betting limits, a session clock, uh, people can self-exclude. You know, we've got tools, and this is part of the reason why we encourage folks to visit playalberta.ca is, you know, a lot of these unregulated, illicit sites, they, they have some social responsibility measures, but they're often buried deep within the site. Mm-hmm. We, we put prominence and, and a real um, emphasis on these social responsibility sites, and we'll, we'll do that not only on Play Alberta, but, of course, as we extend and look to extend with our casino partners. All right, Dan, exciting times. I know a lot of people have been looking forward to this for a long, long time, so it'll be interesting yeah. to see how it rolls out. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're, we're all so excited, and, and, of course, we encourage folks to uh, play responsibly and, and visit these sites and, and want to thank Albertans, and uh, thank you for your time, Shay. Absolutely. Thanks very much, Dan. Appreciate it. That okay. is Dan Keen. Uh, sorry to hang up too quick there. there, Dan. Uh, Dan Keen, the Senior Director of Gaming for AGLC. Full disclosure, this no- next guest uh, we booked for purely selfish reasons. Um, I need to know what's going on. But I know it applies to a whole lot of people out there. A lot of people. I'm talking about wasps. They are out of control. Uh, As you know, I had last week off. So I've got this old hot tub in my backyard. It's been... I I don't think it's worked... It could be 10 years since this thing actually last worked. And I figured, well, I got some time. I'm going to see if I can't 
fix it. Now, the way that it is, it's built into the deck, okay? So you have to slide back these wooden steps. Once you do that, you get them out of the way. Now you've got a hole that's probably, I don't know, two and a half feet wide by six feet long where you can drop down and access the pumps and the heaters and all those things, right? So I'm down there working on that. And there's one hornet buzzing around. No big deal. It wasn't bothering me. I wasn't bothering him. Everything was fine. So I do what I'm doing down there. Then I get up and I flip open the lid to the hot tub. And suddenly there is a cloud of angry wasps everywhere. Thousands of them. So I got to leap out of this hole, bang my shin, crash over the chair, somehow bent the shelf on my barbecue. I think. I think. I don't even know. Um, And went running into the house screaming and crying. Then... It's war with the wasp time, right? Well, you try and find wasp spray in this part of the world. Good luck. It's impossible to find because there are so many wasps, and they're everywhere, and people are finding nests, and they're ruining picnics, and the whole thing. They're a real problem, and it's happening right across Alberta. So when you're talking bugs, there's one guy I know who will give you the straight scoop. It's Mike Jenkins. Works for the city of Edmonton. He is their bug expert. This guy knows bugs like nobody else knows bugs. So he is the pest management coordinator for the city of Edmonton, and I am thrilled that we have him with us this morning. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Now, I'm sure you know, and I'm sure you've had a million questions over the past few weeks. <laughs> what is going on with the wasp this summer, Mike? Uh, it's the the weather. Hot and dry equals more wasps uh, in general. Uh, they thrive in the hot conditions and can forage more in the dry uh, than when it's raining. And so they've been building their nests basically since May. And now they've reached the, the point they're uh, overflowing and they're sending out new queens and setting up new nests uh, all over the place. And those are growing as well. So, so we're not imagining things here. This is one of the worst years no. we've had for wasps in a long time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So the the yellow jackets, uh, uh, in particular, uh, have uh, expanded beyond what we we normally see um, by orders of magnitude. Uh, so in a typical week uh, around this time of year, we would usually get, uh, uh, say, a dozen or so calls per week about uh, uh, yellow jackets on city property. Um, now we're doing like 20 to 50 per day. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. Okay, now break this down for me because we just say wasps or we just say hornets or we, you, yellow jackets. What are we talking about here? You know, you know the ones that I think most people are familiar with, the little yellow yeah. hornets, or what are those officially? What are we talking about here? So those are officially yellow jackets. Yellow um, jackets. Yeah. So we technically don't have hornets here. Um, hornets are actually a European group uh, and Asian. So the, the uh, uh, famous murder hornets are actually a type of hornet. Uh, but it, it has to do with technical issues with uh, how their abdomen connects, uh, stuff like that. But ours are uh, yellow jackets. Um, okay. But those are all just a type of wasp. And there are actually thousands of species of wasp, uh, many of which most people will never notice. They're little uh, parasitic wasps that go after other insects. And most of them are really beneficial and really good pollinators. Um, but there's just about a dozen or so species of yellow jacket uh, in our area. And those are the ones that are uh, social. They're building the, the big paper nests uh, and uh, can get pretty territorial and stingy if you get too close to them. Okay, now what about those bloody big black and white ones? You know the ones I'm talking about? What are those? Yeah, so those are called bald-faced hornets, but technically they're not hornets. They're actually a type of yellow jacket. Okay, are they any more dangerous? I mean, they're, they're terrifying because they're so big, but are, are they uh, more scary than a, a regular yellow jacket? 
They they are bigger and they do have a more potent sting. Okay. Uh, I've been stung by them before and it's definitely not fun. Um, but uh, they tend to build their nests high in aspen trees uh, and uh, away from people. So they don't typically end up in the sort of conflicts uh, that we, we get with our, our sort of common aerial and western yellow jackets um, that like to build their nests in people's backyards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we know those ones. Now you mentioned <laughs> yeah. you mentioned murder hornets, and I know that was a big uh, concern out yeah. on the west coast last year. Where are we at with murder hornets? They're not here, are they? They're not here, and fortunately, even with a, a hot winter like or a hot summer like this, our winters are still cold enough that uh, there's very little chance that they could uh, uh, thrive or survive here. Okay. Um, so we're we're probably safe from the uh, the murder hornets here. Um, out on the west coast, however, uh, they they have found uh, several more nests, and they've actually uh, through genetics determined that they're separate introductions. So these are not um, sort of related to each other. Oh. These are uh, nests that have uh, uh, basically been introduced from uh, uh, Asia, Japan, somewhere uh, separately. So. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> yes. Now, when when you get attacked by the hornets, um, do they sting you? Do they bite you? What what happens when you get attacked by a hornet? We've all been bitten or stung or whatever. What what exactly is the process involved there? They they can do both. Okay. Uh, so yeah, they have uh, very powerful mandibles and they can bite with those. And of course, they have the stinger, which they will use to defend their nest and themselves. Uh, some of them, the aerial yellow jacket can even spray venom, uh, which can get in your eyes or um, oh, man. Do we have those here? We do. <laughs> they don't typically do that uh, unless you're getting really close to their nest. Something like uh, in your hot tub situation. Yeah. Um, if if you'd torn open uh, a nest with the aerial yellow jackets, they might have uh, used that little tactic on you. <laughs> Seriously? Okay. Yeah. Now, um, like I say, uh, especially in the Edmonton area and, and up north, I know I've talked to some people in Fort McMurray um, and down in Red Deer, uh, many areas of the province dealing with just a, a, an inordinate number of wasps this year. And I've, I've tried a lot of the stupid things on the internet, the pop bottles with the top cut off and all the rest of that. They don't seem to... What do you do if you're being besieged by wasps in the backyard? What's your best course of action? Uh, yeah, uh, if you can locate where the nest is, uh, and that's where the, the source of those uh, foraging workers comes from um so the the pop bottles with the uh, uh sort of a trap fluid in it yeah uh, those work quite well uh in sort of uh, reducing the number of foraging uh, uh yellow jackets that are coming to your yard okay, well, what like am I I, I, i've got two of them i haven't caught one and they're all over the place what do you have to put in am i putting the wrong thing uh possibly so the, uh, they're generally looking for sugar um so something really sweet and aromatic uh helps a lot um, I usually use uh, uh, basically orange soda, uh, something along those lines, a touch of uh, just soap, and a little dash of peach schnapps. Get Ooh. some alcohol in there to get some volatiles going and carry that scent farther. Okay, so a little bit of liquor in there will get take. Uh, all right, I'm, I'm making notes here, Mike. Um, what about <laughs> these fake wasps' nests that you can hang? Do those work? Do they really scare them away? I've seen conflicting results uh, on those. Uh, I'm skeptical that they would work at all. Uh, the idea is that you put it up and the wasps think, oh, there's already a wasp nest here. We won't yeah. go there. Um, but depending on the species, uh, some wasps are not scared of other yellow jackets and will actually try to raid 
other nests. Also, there'll be in a so fighting putting up a, Yeah, so putting up a fake one <laughs> isn't going to slow those ones down. Um, it might convince a queen who's looking for a new place to set up a nest that, okay, there's already one here, and she might go somewhere else. But that's about the only circumstance I can think of where that would actually be really effective. Okay. Now, we found the nest. We know where it is. Um, I, I love that spray. You know, I think it's called one-shot spray or something like that. I mean, that stuff's fantastic. But I'm getting people texting me saying, I use brake cleaner. That's the best thing you can use. Other people say Pine Sol, Windex. I mean, there's a million different things. Once you've found the nest, what do you, as the bug expert, do? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Registered products uh, with uh, Health Canada, uh, like the one-shot spray, absolutely the, the uh, most effective thing to use. If you can't get to the nest uh, because it's under uh, sidewalk blocks or underneath the front steps, something along those lines, that's probably when it's time to call in professionals. Okay. So the, the professional pest management companies, um, they have the expertise to go in there and do it safely. They also have access to products uh, that, uh, you can't get at Home Depot or Lowe's or anything like that. Um, so they are uh, a bit more potent um, active ingredients on them. No, you can't get any of that stuff right now anyway, Mike. You're pretty much on your own. I mean, you can't. Yeah, exactly. That. So the, the, the pest <laughs> management companies have uh, plenty of uh, their uh, uh, chemicals on stock. So if you're, if you're having an issue with that, I would definitely recommend uh, uh, potentially calling in professional. A lot uh, of people say they just blast it with the garden hose. Will that work or will they just come back? Uh, yeah, depending on the size of the nest, blasting it with the garden hose can definitely just uh, basically give you a giant cloud of very angry yellow jackets. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I wouldn't necessarily recommend that. If it's a small enough nest, uh, the queen has just uh, started setting up. It's only a few cells. It's only uh, 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 still very small. Yeah. Uh, garden hose might work. Uh, I would then stomp on it, or probably put it in a bag, uh, and then stomp on it uh, to make sure that anything inside there is... Uh, uh, well and truly gone. Um, but if it's uh, small enough, you can also just uh, go up with a garbage bag and uh, uh, quickly uh, <laughs> envelop the, the nest and pull it off. Yeah, okay. Um, you got to be a little bit uh, a little bit brave on that one. But, uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I would there... also recommend uh, uh, doing most of those things at night when all of the workers, all of the the uh, yellow jackets are in the nest. Yeah. Uh, so you don't end up with a whole bunch of basically homeless uh, and now really upset yellow jackets wandering around looking for the nest that's now gone. Yeah, no, that would be even worse. Um, now, I'm, I'm pleased to hear you're saying the best course of action here is to kill them. They're useless creatures, well, right? There's no reason they, to keep them. They're not, one. no. Uh, we actually have a policy, uh, unless uh, the nest is in a, a place where there's a territorial conflict with humans, we actually leave the nest alone. So ones that are high up in aspen trees, in natural areas, things like that, uh, because the yellow jackets are actually really beneficial. What do they do? Um, well, uh, they get most of their energy from nectar. That's why they're looking for sweet things like the, the orange pop, stuff like that. So they're going to flowers, collecting that nectar. As they're doing that, they're actually really important pollinators. Um, okay. So they're uh, uh, quite beneficial that way. Also, uh, the protein that they use to feed to their young, uh, they're getting most of that from flies and caterpillars and other things that we consider pests. And so all of the yellow jackets that are around now are a large reason why we're not seeing much problems with caterpillars. Or mosquitoes. Right now. But I mean, well, mosquitoes the mosquitoes is more weather-related, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's been so dry, there basically hasn't been an awful lot of uh, uh, mosquitoes uh, developing. The mosquitoes are a little small for the yellow jackets to go after. They probably don't take too many of those. Uh, but caterpillars, absolutely, they love those. Interesting. Okay, I'm just going to get a couple of quick questions from listeners here. Um, the wasps on the ground, are they the same as the one that build their nests in the trees? 
they can be. Uh, some of them can uh, be very variable in where they build nests, but some of them definitely have a preference. Things like the prairie yellow jacket and forest yellow jacket like building their nests underground, mm-hmm. often in rodent burrows, but they will use things like underneath the front steps or uh, if they find a hollow underneath a, a concrete block or something, um, they will use those. Okay. So, yeah, there there is different species that uh, take advantage of different spots. Okay. Now, before I let you get out of here, we've I've got to have ten people saying, "What was the recipe again?" I missed the recipe. I got peach schnapps. What's <laughs> what's your wasp trap recipe, Mike? Uh, I, I use a, a, a very sweet, uh, very aromatic soda, uh, uh, something like orange pop or uh, uh, cream soda, something okay. along those lines. Uh, a couple of drops of dish soap. Yeah. Uh, so that breaks the surface tension, so when they land in it, they, they can't get out again. Uh, and a little bit of uh, a sweet alcohol, um, peach schnapps, Southern Comfort, something along those lines that creates some nice volatiles to go out and uh, uh, draw Lure those them in. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Thank you, Mike. Always, always a thrill to talk to you. I appreciate it. Thank you. That is Mike Jenkins, who is uh, the Pest Management Coordinator for the City of Edmonton and... Uh, He's the bug guy. I mean, that's what he's known as. You, you got a question about bugs. Mike is the guy. So there you go. There's the uh, Wasps 101. The recipe again, sweet pop. He uses orange or cream soda. Couple drops of dish soap and then throw a little peach schnapps in there. Again, I guess if they don't come to it, then, then you got a drink. Ready to go whenever you want. Thanks for listening today. To hear any of our other interviews, you can find them wherever you find your favorite podcasts. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to rate and review us.